Welcome back to The Talking Hedge. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your Cannabis Business Podcast. Got a pretty good show today. With me is Bernie Young, the CEO at Global Brands, Atlas Global Brands, publicly traded on the Canadian Stock Exchange under ticker symbol ATL. Atlas is a global cannabis company operating in Canada and Israel across the cannabis value chain. That includes cultivation, manufacturing, marketing, distribution, and pharmacy. Bernie, thanks for being on The Talking Hedge. Thanks so much for having me, Josh. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, let's dive right in. You've got a pretty good um, background in marketing, right? So going to help you with with uh, cannabis to some degree. I want to dive in and, and see how much that's going to help given some restrictions. want to ask first off how you see branding and marketing evolving in the cannabis industry. What role do you think that's going to play in the growth and success of cannabis, given some of the restrictions on traditional advertising? Yeah, for sure. Well, first off, you know, it all depends on the market and the global landscape continues to change. You know, the first thing, number one, I believe brands, it doesn't matter what industry always sets the standard. We are consumers that absolutely love brands and have a connection when it comes to quality and what is in a particular product. And what I see with cannabis overall is it is definitely a way to differentiate. However, the big thing with cannabis, as we all know, is it's a product first category. And, you know, you can use brands to attract and, and bring in consumers. But the biggest thing I find is you got to deliver with the product, which is what's so exciting about the cannabis industry as a whole. Mm hmm. Yeah, and I guess it differs uh, from region to region. I, you know, I'm in the Pacific Northwest. I'm in Seattle. Um, California is pretty famous for its culture. And then in between, uh, Vancouver, BC and Oregon have their own culture. And so as you've signed two binding letters of intent to acquire two additional pharmacies licensed um, in uh, Israel to dispense medical cannabis, uh, these are obviously going to add to your Israeli medical sales footprint. So what role is Atlas going to have in medical cannabis in terms of the global healthcare landscape? And then how are you working to improve patient access? For sure. I mean, the first thing with Israel is we're very lucky to have a vertically integrated business there, meaning we export our products from our EU GMP facility in Chatham, Ontario. Um, we ship to our pharmacies as well as we have a trading house, which is a distribution house to provide access and variety to a different um, you know, assortment of pharmacies there. Patient access is important. I mean, the development and education from doctors continues to evolve. Um, in Israel, the biggest thing we've seen is a lot of the changes with the government where they're providing courses to educate, to allow them to prescribe there as well. But I think the biggest thing, regardless when it comes to international cannabis, is the illicit market. I mean, the behaviors and the preferences are all the same. You know, consumers look to um, smoke cannabis or uh, use oils to aid pain and anxiety. So there's a lot of that education from, but truthfully speaking, there's a big conversion of, of those consumers and the trust of the products will take time as the markets open up in both medical and recreational markets. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would imagine even with that black market, there's a lot of arbitrage opportunities in there. We'll, we'll get into some pricing uh, down the line here, but uh, that, that'll definitely get squashed with global legalization. That'll be interesting to see how that plays out. As you guys are kind of expanding, you guys have announced um, enhanced brand and SKU, like you'd mentioned. With that approach to product development and branding, 
what's going to set you guys apart from other cannabis in the market, not just now, but in the future? For sure. I mean, at the end of the day, the biggest thing that I believe is, you know, it all starts with the genetics, right? And ultimately, well, how do we have and do our R&D and, and really develop the best products to um, bring to the marketplace? You know, it all starts there. We're very lucky to have a phenomenal team. We've got three facilities, one in um, Chatham, Ontario, as I'd mentioned earlier, one in Alberta, as well as one in Stratford, Ontario. And we have nurseries to really bring unique cultivars into the market. The thing that I find really is around variety and assortment. You know, this isn't like the CPG days, like, you know, when I worked in Jack Daniels or whether it's a soft drink industry where people get really hooked and enjoy a particular product. Like let's pick a product like Coca-Cola. Once your palate becomes very specific to that, you only want that taste profile. With cannabis, you want variety, you know, like you're not going to be, you may have your staple string here and there, but your rotation of having different offerings is very important. So we continuously um, look for new genetics and continuously renovate our product line. You know, I believe in this industry, it's probably roughly around an 18 to 24 month product life cycle when it comes to continuously bringing new um, products into the market, because there's thousands of incredible genetics and that's what people want is to really, really try whether it's an indica or sativa or ultimately a cultivar that's from a different part of the world. Now, I'm all for um, variety, but I also love consistency. And what I'm finding really annoying in the North American market or just the marketplace in general is the lack of consistency. And I'm not even talking about quality. I'm just talking about, you know, if I find a terpene profile that works for me, like Blue Dream 2015, and then I go and I try to find it like you can't find Blue Dream anywhere. They've mixed it with like green. They have green crack and then um, Snoop Dream and whatever else. But because it took it takes longer and it's light and fluffier than a higher yielding, shorter duration. It seems like more of a push than a pull when it comes to demand. I'm demanding something, but they're pushing this on me no matter what. And I don't want that particular cultivar when are companies going to start asking what the terpene profiles are or getting into that? Cause I, I don't find like it's readily available and I can't find the terpenes. I'm still, unfortunately 10 years into Seattle, I'm in Washington state. I'm looking at the highest terpene profile or the highest price, highest THC at the lowest price. That's our filters is price and mm -hmm. T, which is ridiculous. I can go to a new state like Nevada and they filter by terpenes. So long-winded question, when is it going to normalize? You know, each market continues to change. I'll tell you in North America, whether it's Canada or in the U.S. as well, that's unfortunate. You know, consumers are using THC in that price-value relationship to drive that. What I can tell you is, you know, we sell in Australia today, and it actually has that level of consistency um, that you're talking about. So let me give you a specific example. We produce Cold Creek Kush. And I don't know if everyone knows in the global markets, but Australia is a very specific market where it is strain and cultivar specific, meaning that if the doctor writes Cold Creek Kush mm -hmm. and you go to the pharmacy and you ask for Cold Creek Kush, if they don't have it, there's no substitute. So there's a great example of consistency, whereas, you know, in other markets, when you get your script as a as a patient, 
that's where how do you convert and bring your consumer to your brand or your straining cultivar? So each market is working very different. That is something that's actually quite compelling, which I like to your point, because if you look for a particular strain, like I mentioned, our Cold Creek Kush, you consistently want that. And there's a level of, of product uh, quality. And more importantly, you have an expectation and that's always there. And that's what's very, very compelling about that market. Mm. Um, a market that's that's really heavy in regulations. You've got some experience navigating some regulated industries with controlled products. You have Atlas brands already distributing in eight countries. How do you navigate that complex regulatory environment? What types of challenges have you faced? If you can kind of give some examples on uh, expanding worldwide to get more market share. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing is each market really behaves differently when it comes to the government regulations. Um, you know, for example, a lot of the let's pick Germany as an example, when you're shipping out there, they have specific um, stability testing requirements for all of the products, as they want it to be able to be consistent once that product is over in that marketplace. Whereas when you have other markets such as Israel that we're in, there's different uh, ways to get in a product where you have it shipped over in bulk or perhaps packaged in Canada and shipped over as well, which then follows different testing. And then it comes down to anhydrous testing, which uh, many people would probably know, and it's around that moisture level, making sure that that consistency is there. So really you have to follow what are the requirements and the specifications set in those markets. You know, we're lucky to have a fantastic uh, regulatory and quality team that really focuses in, and does that homework proactively and is very collaborative with the government bodies and our distribution partners uh, internationally as well. So that's really been advantageous for us. But again, to what you said earlier is you can ship products, you know, here and there. But really Atlas Global Brands is about having consistent quality product into the marketplace and building a distribution network so that on the other side, patients and our customers and the pharmacies have a level of expectation of what we're going to bring. And more importantly, the new offerings and the different types of patterns that we're going to do when it comes to adjusting to the preferences of what their patients or consumers want. So that's how we're really thinking about it strategically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I don't think a lot of people are looking at uh, distribution strategically. They look at branding and they look at um, hype, you know, hyperbole. But I really think that if more athletes and musicians and whoever is coming out with with cannabis brands would look at the importance of distribution, because you can have the best product. And if it isn't distributed properly, no one's going to see it. And I really think that that's one of the crucial aspects of this industry and why it's important moving forward with the ability to advertise and sell online, or at least to have a marketplace, a digital business to business marketplace where you can cross borders, where genetics, well, you know, you're talking about genetics and how important that's going to be. Um, individual states already think they have the fire. I, 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 I interview people all the time, you know, people in, in Maryland that are coming on board, like we have the fire. And I just, I'm laughing because I'm like, you're a meme. You, you don't, you have no control over who you're not vertically integrated. So you have no control over that. Um, you, uh, Bernie do have vertical integration. You do have control over that. Um, but there are some aspects that I kind of want to dive into and, and poke at. So I have a few questions about celebrity cannabis specifically. Um, so, so let's dive into that. Snoop Dogg, 
granted you guys at Atlas Global to use his name, likeness, and to sell cannabis products internationally. So you were quoted as saying that Snoop Dogg's one of the most iconic figures in cannabis culture, and it's an honor to collaborate him with him. Consumers love Snoop, and our collective goal is to deliver premium products in all cannabis categories that will be consistently exceed customer expectations. So question one, how does Atlas plan to differentiate their Snoop Dogg branded products from other celebrity branded products in the market? Yeah, I mean, celebrity brands, we've seen it over the years. The biggest thing is we are going to create um, new brand, uh, well, a new brand in the marketplace as we kind of relaunch things. And there's very important specifications on that. I mean, the biggest thing I find with brands, and I'll tell you in the international markets and the insights we've seen are a couple things. Number one, there is zero brand equity in international markets. So if you were to ever join me, and I would love to host you in Tel Aviv, Israel, if you were to walk into one of the dispensaries there, they look like recreational shops. Of course, you need your, your medical script to go in, but the behaviors and the preferences are different. So Josh, you and I walk to the, uh, to, the, um, to the pharmacist. We look at five different products. What do you choose between A, B, C, D, and E? Is one popcorn bud? Is one too dry? Is one meeting your expectations? Yes, you'll know the strainer cultivar, but what is going to meet your expectations? Then you see Snoop beside it, which again, I believe in price value relationship. You're not going to overprice and try to trick the consumer. I really don't believe that. The consumer speaks, you follow the insights and you do that. And the price value relationship of converting and having that price point where they will have an expectation that this is Snoop's product and a quality level that they're going to expect in the bag appeal, that's going to deliver. So I'm going to be able to, with Snoop and the new brands, be able to drive trials. But more importantly, it's the organization of Atlas Global Brands to confirm the bag appeal and the quality in the product itself to drive repeat purchase. And that's our strategy when you think about that full 360 circle of how we're going to bring consumers to our trademark and drive momentum and build and grow market share in the space. And, you know, it sounds very simple and it is you win consumers and you can you convince them that you're worth the their wallet and you're worth the money that they invest in your products. And, and that's how we're going to do it consumer by consumer. I'm going to push back on that a little bit because I haven't seen it done in a decade. I haven't seen it successfully done. So I, I've got to ask you how specifically you're going to do that, because what I've seen is that people just slap their name on trash. And so um, I'm curious what his involvement is and how you're going to ensure that's that's going to happen. You've got celebrity brands that don't sell well at all. They don't even stand out from the crowd. From consumers like Jay-Z, Justin Bieber, Gwyneth Paltrow, Rosario Dawson, um, even Mike Tyson, you know, he's got to do his little ear thing in order to get any kind of um, recognition or notoriety and people still don't even care. It's going to be about price and convenience. Those are the two kind of standard things that people care about. Quality, consistency, all those other things are going to be um, expected, um, not appreciated. So the data and dispensary owners say celebrity brands don't stand out to consumers on a crowded dispensary shelf. Another notable example of a failed celebrity cannabis partnership is Drake and Canopy Growth. Um, it almost would make sense with your ticker symbol ATL to, to partner with Big Boy and Andre 3000 of Outcast. Like being an old school, you know, rapping about ATL. I mean, Atlanta's got a ton of rappers coming out. So what made Atlas decide to partner with Snoop? Um, obviously, he's a big name, but like you're 
I feel like you're having to dig yourself out of a hole before you even start. You're, you're, you're like a turnaround company, essentially trying to turn this around, not turnaround company, but turnaround concept of celebrity cannabis because it's never worked. So despite the potential drawbacks of celebrity branded cannabis products and how um, difficult it is, what is your uh, process? And especially utilizing them in Canada where it's not legal. Yeah. So first off, you know, from the comments that you made around some of the celebrities and the brains, I agree. I think in the beginning when legalization happened, people thought, hey, I can slap a celebrity name on this and convince the consumer to buy it. You know, the biggest analogy I always tend to use is Red Bull. You know, let's be honest, Josh, the product tastes like crap, but the marketing and positioning positioning enabled, um, you know, the the consumer to overcome those taste barriers to actually want to drink the product because it gives you wings. In this mm-hmm. case, you can't trick the consumer. You slap any brand celebrity on it. If it's garbage weed in the jar, they're never coming back. And you know what? I think a lot of people thought that was a fast way to build brands in the market. And they thought they can trick the consumer. The cannabis culture has been around for hundreds of years, like it's always been here. And so that culture and expectation is there. When you think about Canada and what we're going to do, there's a lot of specific brands that have done it very well. And you're right, product quality and expectation, that's table stakes. It really, really is. But at the same time, there's a way to be able to convince consumers all the way down to the way you process the product um, post-harvest. And we see it. And I'm not, we have to drive high quality and low cost when it comes to efficiency operationally. But I'll be honest with you, Josh, and I've spoken very openly with everyone is, I have no problem slowing down the line and making sure we have in every single bag and jar the best quality product that's going to exceed the relationship. Consumers know when they pay, whether it's for value product, $5 a gram, seven, $8 a gram, there's an expectation of what it should look like and ultimately what their expectations are. We've been in the marketplace in Canada for five plus years. You know, with Snoop's new brand that we plan on launching, it's going to be very focused on not just the product that we talked about, that expectation, but there's going to be the preferences, there's going to be the touch and feel. It's all of the five senses that we expect from consumer products. This is a consumer product game. However, we have to learn how to work within the regulations and be able to really, you know, adjust to consumers thought process and ultimately convince them that our products are worth what they are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I feel like cookies has done a good job convincing people. And yet when I went in and I got a celebrity branded blunt, uh, Gary Payton blunt, it was trash. It didn't smell like anything. It was smoked terribly. I paid $70 for it. Never, never go back. So even though, burner talks about genetics and fire and consistency like that's what i was expecting when i when i bought this blunt and it was like trash weed like like everything else uh that tends to be in the market um so i am obviously a little bit skeptical um and and so is roy bingham he's a bds bds analytics co-founder and ceo when he said that Brand awareness and brand loyalty are emerging among the cannabis consumer base and celebrity brand status is less important to consumers than product attributes like price points, cannabinoid content, flavor. So I got to ask you, Bernie, with price point, cannabinoid content and flavor being more important to consumers than celebrity status, coupled with the history of celebrity branded cannabis products that haven't sold well, what other strategies are you going to do to employ to ensure the success of Snoop Dogg branded products? 
you know, when we think of, you know, Canada's one market, but when we think about Atlas Global Brands, we are about the international market. So if we were to put the U.S. and Canada aside for just a moment, and you think of Israel, you think of Australia, you think of Germany, the equity and the way the consumer shops and behaves in the dispensaries, it's still very, very new. And I think that is something that we need to be able to differentiate, number one. Number two, when it comes to the integration of um, our Israel uh, division with the pharmacies, as well as bringing in limited time off for products, there's some key things we're going to do there. Uh, the biggest thing is, you know, skew productivity, bringing the best products and being able to utilize that to drive loyalty and traffic. Like you got to think, Josh, as our vertically integrated group in Israel, yes, I'm a licensed producer shipping from Canada, but now I'm also a dispensary owner. And I'm also now a distributor when it comes to my trading house as well. So if you think about all of the aspects of how am I going to bring new customers and new patients to Atlas Global Brands in our, each one of our pieces, each one of them has a very different strategy when it comes to bringing them in. When it comes to the brands overall and how we're going to differentiate internationally, as I'd mentioned before, if you were to come there and again, would love to host you in Tel Aviv, you would be shocked the quality of product there. I think it's starting to change, but truthfully speaking, when I've seen the product go internationally, it's a lot of the leftover product that didn't sell on the high potency, high uh, profile stuff that's sold domestically. And you see that internationally. That is changing now, but over the last three to five years, that's where a lot of the leftover products, so to speak, went over and they don't know what that quality is. So we're actually looking at very differently and we're putting all of the best products first. We're utilizing the brand to drive trial because there's zero brand equity amongst all of the other brands there to drive that purchase intent and convince them on that first purchase to again, buy again. That's the way you convert consumers, you drive awareness, get that purchase intent. And it's our job to keep them within the franchise and the trademark. And that's how we've done it many years. And whether it's, you know, my days at Jack Daniels or working in, you know, beverage, alcohol, CPG, it's the thought process of understanding the consumer consideration set and bringing them into the trademark. Yeah, it would be interesting to see how that rolls out and what kind of opportunities that presents. Um, you had a recent opportunity at the beginning of this year, having gone public. So Atlas Global Brands started trading on the Canadian Stock Exchange under ticker symbol ATL uh, back in January 2023, I believe. Mm -hmm. uh, the interim CEO was quoted as saying that transitioning to public markets was an important milestone for Atlas. It provides a platform for growth, ultimately to execute on their strategy and become a global cannabis leader. So at this point in time, having, you know, a couple of months of, of being public, what, what are the benefits as well as challenges of transitioning to that public market? I definitely, um, you know, there's a couple of big things. I think the first thing, number one, is being able to access the capital markets. Um, that is the most important thing to be able to share our story and ultimately differentiate itself to be able to move into the next chapter of cannabis. You know, let's be honest, Josh, you've seen this and I've been in the space, you know, since pre-legalization Canada, working both domestically and internationally. The markets are very, very difficult right now. Mm -hmm. But really at Atlas Global Brands, we're looking at this as a the next chapter. It's a, a fresh sheet of paper. And now when we see everyone distracted and dealing with their legacy baggage in the marketplace, we're focused on 
how are we going to drive uh, vertical integration in Israel to have consistency and predictability in that market. With the EU GMP regulations changing um, in Australia and other markets, how do we utilize our hub in that? You know, I, I laugh sometimes because we've heard EU GMP so many times, but the irony is, is there's less than a handful that actually have it that can do it consistently because many other licensed producers in Canada never followed through. So if you think about that, and now we are a, you know, have a key competitive advantage when it comes to EU GMP, that's going to continue to funnel that side of things. So when you think about, you know, going public, having a very compelling story, you know, we, we are looking at uh, going on the OTC as well and looking at other opportunities to drive more liquidity as well as more awareness of our brand. I think we're going to have a very compelling global cannabis story that people are going to be excited about to hear and most importantly see how we perform over the upcoming quarters mm -hmm. although it's not entirely fair cannabis companies haven't really moved independently um of the market you know their fundamentals haven't meant anything for a really long time so uh i wouldn't expect you know individual stocks to move as they should yet unfortunately it's kind of just the way that uh that that segment is, is moving, which is too bad. Um, but moving into trends, um, there's a lot of innovative technologies. Uh, you know, when we were in the uh, green screen, green room, we were talking about, you know, chat GPT and AI and some of these things. Um, and I'm wondering if, if there's any just technology in general, it seems like a, there hasn't been a lot of, of consumer products outside of maybe like, um, d you know, dab, vape technology but you know the toker poker and little like gadgets and stuff like that it doesn't even have to be like crazy technology but it doesn't seem like there's been a lot um a focus on the consumer end more on the back end technology but regardless of its b2b or b2c have you seen any technology or anything innovative um that will maybe help with the cannabis industry in general or something that you guys are going to be adapting you know, the, the biggest products I love in the cannabis industry when it comes to technology and 2.0 products is, is vape technology. You know, it's come such a long way. And, you know, more importantly, when it comes to converting the illicit market, the quality um, of the products that are continue to evolve and change all the way from the heat settings um, and really being able to have consumers adapt when it comes to accessibility of new products is key. Um, I'm seeing a lot of really unique designs as well as different ways to actually um, enjoy the product and, and of course utilize that you know when it comes to non-combustibles we see a lot of the new technology you know focusing on onset um, bioavailability all of that I think that continues to evolve I would say with the technology and bridging different consumers into the space minor cannabinoids there's going to be a lot of different pieces that ultimately come together that are going to be disruptive in the marketplace you know I've seen some excellent products that have THC and minor cannabinoids kind of isolating a certain, um, you know, consumer segment and occasion, which evolves. So I think we'll continue to see technology both when it comes to, you know, utilizing minor cannabinoids and ingestibles all the way to vape technology and being able to have consistent dosing as that evolves. Because, you know, we've seen brands and products come into the pro to the marketplace, but it's going to take a little bit more time as that evolves. Mm -hmm. um, 
What about your plans to capitalize on that vertical integrated supply chain and continue to grow and expand your global footprint? What does that look like? And what does the future look like for you guys specifically? Um, you guys are going internationally. You're going to keep doing that. Like, let us know what uh, what you're doing. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, our, our biggest priority in the short term right now is continuing to integrate our division in Israel. So, Atlas Global Brands is really around uh, acquiring and looking for very accretive uh, pharmacies in the business in that place. You know, we've seen retail right across the board, and and I've been part of it as well uh, in both. You know, all of the industries I've been in, and it's not about having the most outlets. It's about having the most productive and strategic locations that make the most sense into that space. So that's something that we are very thoughtful and strategic on when it comes to the international side. You know, I'm a big believer, you know, coming again from BevAlp, you can have great products, but you have to have assortment. So, you know, wearing our distributor hat, we are partnering with other brands as we look to expand our assortment because I've got to make sure I'm bringing great varieties and, and more importantly, great menu for our partners there. When we look at, you know, across the different other markets, such as, you know, the UK, Spain, Australia, Germany, we see the regulations slowing down there. We are looking really to find those partners to offer, um, you know, our, our EU GMP product into the market and grow. We are looking at different ways to actually create and, and find ways to, uh, you know, shape the regulations and help work with them as well. But again, like you said earlier, each market is very different. And more importantly, being part of the journey in some of those key markets is where our focus is. So you're going to hear a lot and see, you know, more about Australia. You're going to see more, of course, in Israel as well, and Germany, and then the other international markets as we continue to progress over the next 12 to 24 months. And then if people want to find a little bit more about uh, what you're doing and kind of track your progress and everything, where can they find you at? Yeah, and thank you again, Josh. So thanks everyone for joining us. If you can on our website at atlasglobalbrand.com or look us up on LinkedIn. Uh, we appreciate it. And again, uh, we really, really support, uh, appreciate your support and looking forward to working with you all. Thanks for your time. Yeah. And we'll put uh, Bernie's LinkedIn uh, LinkedIn link in the, in the description. Um, but I think with that, we're going to have to roll this one up. So I want to thank my guest, Bernie Young, the CEO of Atlas Global Brands, again, available on the Canadian Stock Exchange under ticker symbol ATL. Appreciate you being on the Talking Hedge. Thanks so uh, much. I'm Josh Kincaid. You're welcome. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is The Talking Hedge. So don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't. And I'm out. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out and check out these other videos that we've got. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Are you looking for the next great cannabis business to invest in? Then you need to check out the MJ Bulls podcast. Hi, I'm Dan Humston. Join me each week as I speak to both cannabis entrepreneurs who are raising capital and cannabis investors who are investing capital. Our 10-minute episodes are perfect for the busy investor. Start listening to the MJ Bulls podcast today, wherever you listen to podcasts, and who knows, maybe you'll discover the next cannabis unicorn.